Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. My name is Calvin, and despite being raised in a Christian household, I was a lifelong skeptic. When given the chance to spiritually isolate myself from God, I ran with it. For me, faith could wait, because if I'm being honest, I felt I had enough answers already. In my limited view of the Bible, it didn't really seem to have much meaning or relevance for the life I wanted to live. Now outwardly, success was good and everything looked great. I was attempting, doing, and saying all the right things, but inwardly, I wound up becoming spiritually and morally bankrupt. I thought I could overcome my poor choices with behavioral correction, but that never stopped me from making the same mistakes again. And for almost two decades, I learned to live with addiction in many of its various and destructive forms. I was ill-prepared to understand exactly how devastating a toll these shortcomings would be in my life, in my family, my relationships, and my business. I was faced with the harsh reality that despite how hard I tried to keep it together, everything was falling apart. Shortly after a breakdown in my marriage, we were asked by friends to join a couples connection group at Hope, which in turn led to a meeting for coffee with my now good friend and mentor, Pastor Patrick. I knew that was the beginning of something special for me because for the first time in my life, I wanted to be there. Normally guarded, I revealed my 20-year gambling addiction that nearly destroyed my life. But as I heard the freedom of the gospel, I realized Jesus had not given up on me. It was in that moment at that Starbucks on March 7th, 2019, when Patrick and I prayed for the first time, I found freedom and a new life in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things are gone and everything has been made new. Today, I am with many others publicly celebrating the fact that I am a Jesus follower. Amen. I am so, so thankful for Kelvin and the story of what God has done in his life just in the last couple of weeks and him coming to know Christ. But I want you to know something today. What you just heard in Kelvin's testimony is the same thing that can happen for you today. If you're here today, maybe you're just like Kelvin. Maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're not sure if you believe in this whole thing about God. Just like Kelvin. He had a, a past with stuff just like Kelvin. Maybe that's you today. You need to know that the same Jesus that died and rose again, the same Jesus that has brought new life to Kelvin, you can find that same life in him today. You can put your trust in Jesus, and Jesus can make you alive spiritually. You can know what it means to be forgiven of your sin, have a relationship with God, and know what it means to know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven and have Christ now living in you and leading you as you live 
your life filled with meaning and significance and purpose. And just like Kelvin, a lot of people over the last few weeks have come to know Jesus here at Hope Church. And so today we're celebrating, like Kelvin said, we're celebrating baptism. We're going to have a party after the service outside. There's going to be food. There's going to be hot dogs and hamburgers and sodas and water. And we're going to celebrate. What we're really celebrating are these lives who've come to know Jesus Christ and been changed. And today is they're baptized, baptism is a public testimony that they are a follower of Jesus. So we're going to get to celebrate that outside in just a moment. But before we do, I want to teach some things about baptism. I said earlier in the service that today's service is abbreviated just a little bit. If you're a guest, we normally have more music than we've done today, but we're abbreviating because we got a pretty big party planned when this is over. So if you got your Bible, open to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and I want to read you a very interesting story about someone in the Bible who got baptized. Now, to set the backdrop for this story, Paul is here on his second missionary journey. He'd been sent out from the church at Antioch, and he's now visiting, or he's, he's being on this missionary journey. He's about to visit for the first time the continent of Europe. To, to understand gospel history, the gospel, the church was born in the Middle East and North Africa. And now by Acts 16, Paul for the first time is bringing the gospel to the continent of Europe. And so he comes to a city called Philippi as a missionary out of the church at Antioch. And when he gets to Philippi, Paul begins to engage that city with the gospel. He begins to meet new people. One of the people that he met was a woman named Lydia. Lydia was a, a businesswoman there in the community. Paul meets Lydia. And Lydia is the first person on the continent of Europe to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And not only Lydia, her whole household, all of her family, those that worked with her, they all at one time became followers of Jesus. They heard the gospel. And as a community, they embraced the gospel. And then out of Lydia's house, Paul began to teach them how to share the gospel and disciple people in the city. So Paul's teaching them the gospel in her house. And then Paul's taking them out into the streets, into the city, and they're sharing the gospel. While they're out one day sharing the gospel, there's a girl that begins to follow them who's possessed by a demon, and she begins to ridicule and mock them. And so Paul turns, and he casts the demon out of this young girl. She was enslaved by some men that were using her to make money off her, uh, using her kind of like a, a soothsayer or a psychic, if you will, and they were making money off of her. So Paul cast this demon out of her, and now she's, she's free of that demonic oppression. She hears the gospel. She becomes a follower of Jesus, but those people who'd been using her for money, they didn't like that. So they went to the uh, magistrates in the city. They complained about Paul and Silas, and Paul and Silas get thrown in prison. They get, first of all, beaten. Then they get locked up in stocks, wooden stocks on their feet. Their hands are chained to the wall, and they're thrown in prison here in Philippi. So where we're picking up the story in Acts 16, all of that has happened. They're now in prison, and we pick it up in verse 25. If you have your Bible, open it to Acts 16, verse 25. If not, we're going to put these words up here on the screen. The Bible says, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. 
Now, that by itself is a verse to say, wow, right? I mean, here are Paul and Silas. They've been beaten for preaching the gospel. They've been shackled for preaching the gospel. They're now in prison for preaching the gospel. I want to think that I'd be praising God and singing hymns. I'm afraid I might be balled up in the corner weeping uncontrollably, right? But here are Paul and Silas in the midst of this story, and they've just turned this opportunity into a moment to praise. And the Bible says all the other prisoners are listening. I guess so, right? It's midnight. Everybody's supposed to be asleep. Paul and Silas, out of their tears, are weeping and praising God. Verse 26 says, And suddenly there came an earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. You say, that seems like a drastic response. Well, under Roman law, the penalty for someone who was a jailer who allowed prisoners to escape was death. So he's responding in the only way he knows how to what's happened. He knows what's coming. Verse 28, Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they spoke Excuse me, it says, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And listen to this, immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly having believed in God with his whole household. That's quite a night they had. Amen? Unbelievable story. And I want to draw some truths out of this story, but there's a word that jumps off the page as we read through that, several obviously, but one of them is that word immediately. Here's this jailer. He came to know Jesus. He believed on the gospel. And the Bible says immediately he got baptized. The word immediately is a word that means without delay or without hesitation. And it's interesting because often in in the North American church context, somebody comes to know Jesus and it may be weeks or months or sometimes even years before they decide to take that step of baptism. But here's somebody in the New Testament context. He comes to know Christ and immediately he gets baptized. Baptized. Now, does that mean that someone should be baptized immediately when they get saved? Well, if that's what this meant last weekend when we had all those people get saved, we should have walked right out then and had baptism. That doesn't mean immediately that they have to be saved or, excuse me, have to be baptized. But what it does mean is that baptism is the first step of obedience once you've surrendered your life to Christ, and it should happen at the first available opportunity opportunity after you've become a follower of Jesus. Becoming a follower of Jesus is to surrender the control of your life to Jesus. Here's what that means. He's Lord. He's boss. I'm not. And the first thing he commands us to do after 
we've been become, come to know him through faith in him is to follow him in this thing of baptism. So what's going to happen today is a lot of people who last week over the last couple of weeks have come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're going to do exactly like this jailer and they are immediately at this first opportunity going to be baptized. But there are, as we get ready for this, two groups of people here today who do not need to be baptized. All right? I want you to listen carefully. There are two groups of people here today. If you're in one of these two groups, you do not need to be baptized today. Say, what are the two groups? Number one, people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. You see, baptism does not save you. When we go out here in this water in just a minute, there's nothing spiritual or mystical or magical about that water. It's the same water that comes out of your sink when you turn it on at your house. There's nothing supernatural, nothing divine about that water. What makes this special is what it symbolizes. Baptism doesn't save you. If baptism saved you, when this jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They would have said, sir you need to be baptized. But that's not what they said. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did they say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We talked about it last weekend. The way to come to know Jesus is by faith. By faith, I understand that Jesus is God, that he came into this world, that he took all of my sin and your sin on himself. He died on a cross for our sin. He rose again from the dead. And in response to that, in faith, I turn from my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. Then I'm born again into relationship with God. It happened for 122 people last weekend. It happened for Kelvin in that video a couple of weeks ago. Maybe today's your day. The day that you hear the good news that you can be forgiven, that you can go to heaven, that you can have Christ living inside of you. You turn from your sin and you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You say, well, then why is baptism important if it doesn't save you? Because it's the first step of obedience and because it's a symbol. The best illustration I've ever heard to communicate this, I use it every year when I'm giving this, this kind of a talk. I, I drop this illustration in because I think it so clears up the picture. When you see this ring on my left hand, what kind of ring is that? It's a what? It's a wedding ring, right? Now, when you see it, what does it tell you about me that I'm what? That I'm married, right? Because it's a wedding ring. Now, I can take it off. Does that make me single? No. A single person can take this ring and put it on. Does that make them married? No. Why? Because this is just a what? It's just a symbol, right? But when I put it on my finger, now it's an important symbol because it's a testimony. This tells everybody else about a love relationship in my life that is very real and that exists. This tells everyone, my wife's sitting right over here. This tells everyone else that I have a love relationship with my wife. It's a public testimony. You know what's going to happen out there in that water? A whole bunch of people are going to put their spiritual wedding ring on. Baptism doesn't save them. Baptism doesn't make them any more right with God. But baptism is that moment when I put the ring on and I give a testimony to the world that Jesus has changed my life and I'm not ashamed of it. I have a love relationship with God. So today, 
If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need a symbol. You need a Savior. You don't need a ritual. You need a relationship. And you can have that the same way the jailer got it, the same way Kelvin got it. You can have it by faith. You can believe on Jesus. But if you're here today and you you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. Here's the second group of people that do not need to be baptized today. Number two, people who already have been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus. If you've already been baptized according to the teachings of Jesus, you do not need to be baptized today. You see, baptism is not an emotional pick-me-up. Baptism is not something you do over and over again to make yourself feel better spiritually. Baptism is a public, defining moment when you put that spiritual wedding ring on and say to the world, I am a follower of Jesus. But we do need to be baptized according to the teachings of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means really three simple things. Number one... It means baptism after salvation. After salvation. Listen to me carefully. The only baptism in the New Testament, the only water baptism in the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus is a baptism of believers. People who've already come to know Jesus. That's not up for debate. Doesn't matter the background. Listen, I know we come from a lot of different spiritual backgrounds. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter what our spiritual background is. It's what does the Word of God say? We have one rule of faith and practice. And there was only one baptism ever practiced in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that was a baptism of people who'd already come to know Jesus. They were already Christians. Some people say, well, I was baptized when I was an infant. It was the tradition of my church. Listen, I'm not here to debate traditions of churches and practices of churches. That's not what this is about. What I'm telling you is the only baptism in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was a baptism of people who'd already put their faith in Jesus and were giving that public testimony. So baptism, according to the teaching of Jesus, happens after You come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Number two, it's baptism by immersion. By immersion. What does that mean? It means going down into the water and coming back up out of the water. Wayne Gruden is a great theologian. He wrote a systematic theology that's the best-selling systematic theology book in America. Here's what it said. The practice of baptism in the New Testament was carried out in one way. The person being baptized was immersed or put completely under the water and then brought back up again. So in the New Testament, and you can study this theologically, you can study this archaeologically, and you can study this historically, and you will arrive at the same conclusion. For the first 200 years after the New Testament was written, the church only baptized one way, after salvation by immersion. You say, why is this important? Well, a couple of reasons it's important. Number one, the meaning of the word baptism. The word baptism is not a Baptist word. It's not a Catholic word. It's not a Methodist word. It's not a Presbyterian word. The word baptism is a Greek word. 
It was given to us in the New Testament in the Greek language. When we read the word baptism, that's an English transliteration of the Greek word. The Greek word was the word baptizo. Now, by the 1600s, there were a lot of different modes of baptism. So what the translators did was they created an English word, baptism, so you can just decide what it means for yourself. But the literal word baptizo meant to immerse, to dip, or to plunge. And originally, it was not a spiritual word. What do you mean by that? It wasn't a churchy word. It was used in everyday Greek culture to describe, for example, a ship that sank in battle. Or when someone was dyeing a piece of cloth a different color, they would take the cloth and they would baptizo. They would baptize that cloth. They would place it under the water and they would bring it back up again. The church borrowed that language and created this word, baptize or immerse, to to communicate what was happening in the gospel. Now, after the first couple of hundred years, other modes began to be used by the church. Things like pouring water over somebody or sprinkling water on them, that started to be used as a practice. It happened in places sometimes where there was no uh, water available. It happened in other situations where there were health conditions that did not allow them to be immersed. And in those situations, I think that is totally appropriate and fine. And this is not the main issue of baptism, but it is a very important picture in baptism, this thing of immersion. And that's the second reason it's important, not just because what the word means, but because of the message being communicated. Let me show it to you in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, Therefore, We have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Here's what's going to happen out there in just a minute. When we get in the water, and I love today because this is the one day a year we don't baptize in the middle of the service, so I get to be a part of it. So I'm going to be out there getting to do all the baptisms today, and I love getting to do that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in the water with those people. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to introduce them to you. We're going to ask them if they're a follower of Jesus. Then we're going to take them down in the water. Why are we doing that? Because the word immersion. But also because this verse teaches us that what's being portrayed in baptism is what happened in the miracle of the gospel. We're we're literally preaching their funeral. As they go down into the water, it's a picture that they have been buried with Christ. Meaning this, all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my unrighteousness, all of my unholiness was all taken by Jesus to the cross. And when he died, he died in my place. And when we go down into that water, it's a picture that they've died with Christ and been buried with Christ. But we're not going to leave them under the water. We're going to bring them back up out of the water. Amen. Why? Because Jesus didn't just die. Jesus rose again from the dead. And the picture is when we take them down into the water, they've been buried with Christ. But when they come up out of the water, they've been raised to walk in newness of life. What is the newness of life? It's now Christ in me living through me. All of that is portrayed when we baptize by immersion. So, To be baptized according to the teaching of Jesus is after salvation by immersion. But here's the third piece. It's to be baptized in fellowship with the community of believers. And here's what I mean by that. Baptism in the New Testament was not given to the individual Christian. Baptism was given to the local church. Baptism is an expression to be celebrated 
in community with the church. Every baptism you see in the New Testament happened in fellowship with the church in one of two ways. First of all, like in Acts chapter 2, those people were baptized in fellowship with the believers in Jerusalem. What we're reading in Acts 16 is a new fellowship being planted out of the church at Antioch. Paul and Silas had been sent out. They couldn't baptize them with all the other believers yet. Why? Because there weren't any other believers yet. These were the first believers in Philippi. So they were baptizing them and establishing this new fellowship of believers in Philippi. Did you notice something that happened here in Acts 16? Look at verse 34 again. After he came to Christ, after he was baptized, look what the Bible says the jailer did. He brought them in. Who's them? Paul and Silas. He brought them into his house and he set food before them and rejoiced greatly having believed in God with his whole household. Do you see what happened? These were no longer prisoners under his watch. They were brothers eating at his table. A powerful witness to the fellowship. These who he'd been given responsibility to guard them as a jailer were now brothers in Christ feasting at his table. Why? Because baptism is about fellowship. It's a testimony about community. Same thing happened in Acts chapter 2. In the early church, when the first church was born in Jerusalem, look what it says. Acts chapter 2 verse 41. The Bible says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Well, now here's a word that begs a question. Say that word out loud. Added. Here's the question it raises. What were they added to? Now, We know they'd already received his word, so they'd already experienced that spiritual baptism where the Spirit of God comes to live inside of them, so they'd already been added to the big C church, the kingdom of God, the spiritual family of God. Then what were they added to when they were baptized? Here's what they were added to. The visible expression of God's family, which is that local community of believers. You know what's going to happen out here when we baptize in just a minute? Not only are those people going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. You know what else they're going to say? They're saying, I'm a part of this family. We're family. Which means when they're getting baptized, it's just not just about them. It's about us. We're making a covenant to walk with them, to love them, to encourage them, to serve them, to disciple them. All that is going to happen. In just a moment, we go outside to baptize. So, I said at the beginning, there are two groups of people here today that do not need to be baptized. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need to be baptized. If you've already been baptized, according to the teachings of Jesus, after salvation, by immersion, in fellowship with the community of believers, you don't need to be baptized today. But listen, everybody else, you need to be baptized immediately there's about 50 or 60 people today that had already signed up they knew when they came here today I'm getting baptized today they brought their clothes with them maybe you're sitting here today and you said wait a minute I realize I know Jesus but I've never been baptized since coming to know Jesus by immersion in fellowship with a community of believers I've never done that Here's what the scripture says. You need to immediately. 
What does that mean? First opportunity. When's that? Right now. You say, oh, I didn't bring any stuff. I didn't bring any clothes. I didn't bring any hair products or deodorant. I didn't bring any of that stuff. Listen, listen, listen. We went to the store. I'm serious. We got clothes of all shapes and sizes. We went to one of those bath and beautiful places. We got everything you need to make yourself look as beautiful as you are right now before you go home. Here's what we need you to be willing to do. Immediately take that step of obedience and be baptized. And let's celebrate together today. So here's what's about to happen. I'm going to go and ask some of our pastors to come stand here along the front. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, our team's about to lead us in a song of worship that says, I will follow Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, just like the jailer, just like Kelvin, just like what happened to me in September of 1989 as a freshman in college, you can, while we're singing this song, come to one of these pastors up here, and all you need to say is, I need Jesus. And they'll have somebody sit down, open a Bible, and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with Jesus. Or if you need to pray with a pastor about something in your job, your health, your family, or we're going to open these steps up like an altar, you can come and you can pray if you want to do that. But if you're here today... And you know that you know Jesus. And you know that you've not been baptized. After coming to know Jesus by immersion in fellowship with the community of believers. If you've never done that and today you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God that you need to do that immediately. While others are coming this way, here's what I want you to do. When we stand to sing, I want you to go that way. And out in the lobby, in both lobbies, there are people with a lanyard on it that says next steps. Is that what they're wearing out there? The next steps lanyard? It'll have a lanyard that says next steps. I want you to find one of those people and they'll help you. They'll have a quick conversation with you about your relationship with Jesus. And they'll make sure you get the clothes that you need, whatever you need to take this step of baptism. It's about to happen right now. Now listen, I know you already on the inside trying to come up with a thousand excuses why you can't do this right now. But listen, I'm telling you, there's no joy like obeying Jesus there's no joy like obeying Jesus so this is your moment immediately right now as soon as we stand listen don't even give it a don't don't try to run listen go just go soon as we stand if you're a follower of Jesus and have never been baptized since conversion in fellowship with the community of believers I want you to go that way meet one of those people and let's get that settled today and I will meet you in the water Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak right now as only you can. Lord, I pray for those that don't know Jesus. God, that today they would come to one of these pastors and give their lives to Christ. They'd believe on Jesus. I pray for those that do know Jesus. God, that have not been baptized, that right now, Lord, you'd give them the freedom and the liberty to respond to what you're speaking to them. That they would submit to the authority of your word and take this step. Lord, thank you for what you're about to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray.